you can talk about film with a philosopher's zeal or measure them all by box office appeal but for once in your life be real feel the rhythm feel the rhyme get on up it's podcast time welcome one and all to be real it is your movie reviewing and reappraising podcast my name is chance solon pfeiffer and I'm Noah Ballard. And buddy, we have gathered here for not an emergency episode, um, but like the clock's running down in the third period of our podcast, and we had to get one in under the wire for the Winter Olympics. Yeah, we're not going to tie with Sweden and Best Olympics podcast. <laughs> we're, we're, here, we're here to win. We're here to win golds. That's right. Um, so we're going to talk some pretty inspirational Winter Olympics movies this week. Just me and Noah. We couldn't get... Uh, Pickaboo Street or Michelle Kwan to guest on the show, so just us. You like those references? Those were pretty good. I was hoping we could get Johnny Mosley. Ooh, yeah. But he's too busy hosting both the Olympics and American Ninja Warrior. Is that true? What a pivot for him. Like, gold medal athlete and then co-host and uh, color commentator for American Ninja Warrior. (laughs) I'm sorry, I was thinking of Johnny Weir. I was about to make a His Hair is Too High for My Apartment. Thing. Wait, yeah, what Johnny, was Johnny Weir, Mosley's original event? The Moguls. He was like a downhill skier. Oh, okay. And no, Johnny Weir, doesn't he look a bit like Pee Wee Herman, like in the face? Well, he certainly looks like a Tim Burton character. So, yes. yeah. He looks like Paul Rubens, like playing, you know, a character from Beetlejuice. Right. <laughs> I love it. He's really fun to look at. And when he's just like, you know, when they land like some crazy trick, he just goes stunning. It's great. Flawless. <laughs> it's so good. Let's uh, let's talk like three more minutes of uh, 2018 Olympic Games before we get into these movies. Keep it real. Think slow. We should get through it just fine. A little rider, Donnie. Donnie, a little rider. Well, Chance, if you didn't know this and the listeners at home didn't know this, um, I go absolutely nuts for the Olympics. Uh, summer, summer and winter? winter? Doesn't matter. So you were hotly anticipating this year. Every, every time. You're in, you're in. First, I was like, well, the Super Bowl's over. Like after, well, I was watching the Super Bowl and I was like, oh, sports are kind of over because I don't really like basketball. No. And then there was an NBC promo for the Olympics, like starting like the following Thursday. And what I was are like, these Olympics? Fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm into like Olympic stuff. And the okay. winter one, winter one's pretty interesting, I would say. See, I, my relationship, I love summer. I mean, boxing, basketball. I love the sprints so much. The winter, I'm always like, this could be the year I watch zero Winter Olympics. And then it's on. And it's like one of the few things left in American culture where you just like put it on the TV and like kind of leave it on and wander in and out. And it's great. It's still like the miracle of broadcast television even now. Yeah. I'm willing to sit through commercials for live action there. And you're in Tariko's safe hands as he like brings you up to speed on everyone. They know you don't know shit, which is great. I was originally sort of upset by Tariko replacing Bob Costas, but like Mike Tariko is a pretty solid, like welcome to the world kind of guy. I mean, he's a real, like a Costas acolyte. (laughs) 
his intro to the the opening ceremony was just like something out of Al Michaels doing, uh, you know, the the game between the USA and Russia in sure. one of our films tonight. But what I can't get behind is my one big thing, and this this goes for any sort of televised like visual spectacle. Yeah, it's like you don't need to commentate the visual and audio spectacle here, Katie Couric and this other guy. Like you don't need to be like Korea's thing. This beam of light represents Korea's relationship with technology. <laughs> Korea, like Korea is at the forefront of technology abuse research. Uh-huh. And I was like, I don't care about that. Look, this is a cool thing on television. It'd be like the equivalent if someone commentated over Justin Timberlake doing the halftime show at oh, the Super sure. Bowl. It's like Justin's jacket represents his relationship with wildlife um, sure. and the woods. Him yeah. and uh, Jessica Biel, though they've had their problems, uh, still like to go camping. And it's like, what? That's my big beef with the wow, Olympics. That's nice. But uh, otherwise, I go nuts. I've really been enjoying I the figure skating has really rekindled my love of like 90s figure skating, especially with Tara in the booth. Um, oh, yeah. I love the way that she and Johnny Weir, if it's an American skating Especially like, for instance, like when uh, Adam Rupon did that great uh, qualifier the, the other night, and like they were silent the entire time. And then what? What's Johnny's favorite word? Spellbinding. Spellbinding. <laughs> and but then when somebody who's not American skates, they do not give a shit, and they will talk over the whole thing. It's amazing. Yeah, they'll just be like sometimes about unrelated oh, things. That was actually supposed to be a triple, and so he's in big trouble. But a mediocre yeah. American could go and they would treat it like, you know, a new pope was being chosen. Right. But I have to say, though, the Americans are, like, pretty incredible. Oh, yeah. First triple yeah. axle by a woman at the Olympics. Yeah. That Sean White won, he's, like, what, 60 years old or something? In snowboarder years. In snowboarder years. In real life, years. I think he's 31. <laughs> he's, like, traded in laying down runs for just, like, laying down at yeah. this point in his Ooh. life. All right. And but I like that Chloe Kim. Chloe She's Kim. so cool. Yeah. Pretty interesting and like dynamic relationship with her parents, which yes. is fun. So now we've named every American at the games, <laughs> as is our obligation as Americans, and we should get into these movies. You ready? Okay, let's run. We're gonna uh, t- talk first about 2004's Miracle based on the 1980 uh, gold medal winning U.S. hockey team and their miracle win over the Soviets in the, I think, the first medal round um, of that Olympics. All right. Well, you should also say that the name Miracle comes from the infamous Al Michaels call of, do you believe in miracles? Yes. yes. The all-time play-by-play alley-oop to oneself. This movie stars Kurt Russell as her... Boy, does it ever. Oh, my... <laughs> More than most movies, it stars Kurt Russell uh, as Herb Brooks, the coach of the team, and uh, it really, it follows through, well, first of all, we were joking earlier, it follows through all of the American 20th century to let you know what the national mood going into the game was, and then it goes through Brooks's process of uh, selecting players and crafting a system to beat the Soviets and then just his ruthless training tactics and like psychological whipping these men into shape 
all these movies are pretty easy to synopsize because they're based on true stories and they end with our heroes either winning or doing their best. And in the case of the Americans, they win. Egg. Yep. <laughs> He's sick of hearing how good this Soviet team is. So where do you want to start with Miracle? Um, well, yeah, it's funny that like it does start with this extended title sequence, like history of America, like almost from like the primordial ooze. <laughs> And yeah, there was Uri and Miller, there was the Magna Carta, and then there was Jimmy Carter. Right. There's no reason the movie needs to start at, like, Watergate. Herb Brooks had given up his dream of Olympic glory <laughs> until 20 ordinary kids. Why'd you want to play hockey? Isn't it obvious for the girls? Gave him a second chance. The Soviets win. My goal is to beat them at their own game. Beat the best team in the world. Gold medalist in 64, 68, 72, 76. Name? Mark Johnson. Buzzy Schneider. Michael Ruzioni. You're missing some of the best players. I'm looking for the best players, Craig. I'm looking for the right ones. It's symptomatic of the fact that it takes itself so seriously and endeavors to do so much while on the other side just having like Kurt Russell, and then a whole, whole bunch of nobodies. Oh, yeah. Like it's a, it's that, a veritable who's who of who will never see again. <laughs> right. I think it's because they all have to be legitimately good at hockey, which they are, which is another thing the movie takes really seriously. But finding a bunch of hockey players uh, doesn't necessarily overlap in the Venn diagram of actors we'll see again, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, other than... Kurt Russell, who's already a household name. Sure. And Patricia Clarkson and Noah Emmerich. There's, there's but I'm talking about right. the But team. the actual guys on yeah. the team, the only other person that I knew was the goalie who plays Jennifer Aniston, one of Jennifer Aniston's boyfriends on Friends. Okay. Her assistant tag. All right. I know I did not I cannot say I recognized him. I think the self-seriousness is something that you like know from the jump and you either need to buy into this like mythology of this, this team that like was destined for greatness. Sure. Or you kind of roll your eyes for two hours and 15 minutes. It's so long. Um, Well, yeah, it's like, so Gavin O'Connor directed this movie, uh, and he's done movies like The Accountant and Warrior and Pride and Glory and Jane Got a Gun. And all these movies that are like, let's say, 61% on Metacritic. And so, so you're kind of like, is this good? Is this bad? Is this average? Are people confused about how average this is? And I think Miracle right. kind of slides into there, right? Well, Miracle's such a movie trailer of a movie. Well, it's it's too long. But it's also like really long. But it has that like you can you don't need to teach someone how to cut the trailer for this movie. You just like have Kurt Russell saying like you can't be common. The common man goes nowhere. You have to be uncommon. Right. <laughs> you know, and then just put Dream On by Aerosmith in the trailer, right. which it it does. That's right. In a pretty shameless fashion. But yeah, this movie like calls for you to dig up what I'd like to call like that Noah Ballard, like warm feeling. And if you can't call that up from your, you know, stomach area, this is not a movie for you. It's not a chance movie at all. Oh no. I think it's not a chance movie. I mean, if I'm wrong here, you tell me, but I think it calls for 
the suspension of disbelief that like, yeah, this is like a movie about like American history. And if you can do that, you know, in the way you do in like for glory or, you know, any other sort of maudlin, any number of Oliver Stone films. Well, <laughs> I feel like we're talking about different stuff here. Um, right. But like, you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. I think that the things I admire about this movie are how seriously it takes some things. For instance, there's Gavin O'Connor is very good at, at violence at physical, at staging physical violence. Like the hockey is to the untrained eye, to my untrained non-hockey fan eyes. It seems very real. There's a great shot in the, you know, in that Norway game where he makes them then do like suicide skates afterward Right. There's a shot where Kurt Russell turns around to face the team and over his shoulder, somebody gets clotheslined in the middle of the ice and it's concussive and it's primal and it's beautiful, but it's also normalized by the movie because of the way it's shot. Right. And that's Gavin O'Connor at his best to me. Absolutely. These guys are going to battle here. This is, this is a contact sport. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's pretty well rendered. There's just like, it's the movie's only trick and there's so much of it. Like I think the climactic yeah, the last hockey ha- match is 38 minutes. Yeah, it's like time. it was it's what I was going to say almost 40 minutes of this movie is the game, which is just the original Al Michaels call over like pretty competently shot <laughs> yeah. like good-looking hockey. But did you have a hint of like the rugby match in Invictus when you were trying to get through that match? Oh yeah. Like, but I maybe know like a little bit more about hockey, but if I didn't, it would be like, yeah. Like what's happening here? Like they keep losing all the face-offs. Like, isn't that a bad thing? Do they get a point for that? How do they score this game? I think it suffers a little bit from what we talked about when we reviewed Friday Night Lights, the Peter Berg movie, which is that having the truest to life action does not always equal the most compelling filmmaking, right? There was a Peter Berg quality to this movie. Oh, absolutely. Gavin O'Connor and Peter Berg are kind of like in the same camp. Right. But it has a Disney script. So it's like made in this hyper realism, but it's also stupid. (laughs) It's P the movie's PG. Right. Like how like realistic could it be? Like they're not showing them throwing up or bleeding. Right. You just hear like, you know, yeah. And spitting out some saliva. How do you think Kurt Russell is? Kurt Russell to me, like he, I've seen this movie before and I've seen it in the theaters. Um, And I think Kurt Russell is like pretty electrifying. And this is sort of like an undersung performance. I mean, it's, it's him like trying to act. He's like doing a Minnesota accent and he's like, He's got some, he like really gets into like, I like that scene where they're going back and forth, just how like Ridley Scott it sort of is. And it's like glad, like just how long this thing lasted. Right. right. But like, it doesn't need to do that. Like for every scene. Well, yeah. I mean, that's another thing where I think it's like, it's too much of the, again, the, like the one or two things it has where if this movie would have been 90 minutes and you just got like Herb Brooks doing the again scene, the great rallying speech at the end, um, the kind of money ballish, like telling off the old school hockey guys that like, 
I don't want the All-Stars. You hired me to do a job. Exactly. I like Kurt Russell when he's fulfilling that you hired me to do a job sure. kind of role. But at two hours and nearly 20 minutes, it's like there's a lot of extra scenes in there where he's still sure. doing the accent really hard. And I think when Kurt... Kurt Russell is a fantastic... Um, you know, not straight man. But when he plays the straight man, which he can do capably, I think he needs a foil. And he doesn't really have the, like, Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday foil in this movie. He doesn't, which is a real... Which keeps this from being, like, a truly great movie. Yeah, um, yeah this movie has a lot of fatal flaws. And maybe not one of the most glaring examples, but just, like, another bad example of, like, the home storyline... Where there's just no reason for the home storyline, you know? Like, unless you're going to do something with... I mean, I, f- I feel bad for every actress who's ever been cast in that role. Um, yeah, she's a real... Uh, Patricia Clarkson's a real um, Laura Linney from... Uh, Sully. <laughs> Sully, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have to do something with it where it's like... Like Sienna Miller in Lost City of Z. Where, like, you actually... That you see them, like, physically, like, let go of the man because, like... He can't, like, this is no way to live. And this movie's kind of like, well, we have to show struggles in the relationship where they compromise, except Herb Brooks doesn't compromise at all. <laughs> you know? I'm just glad that there wasn't, like, a maudlin romance between, like, one of the skaters and, like, a local girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's get this thing up to a hot 240 by adding a love yeah. interest for Jack O'Callaghan or Matt O'Jacklehan or whoever these people right. are. Right. Or, yeah, Mc, McLanahan. Yeah. Or... Oh, my God. And then they get rid of the guy with the only, like, memorable name, the with the mustache. Oh, that's right. And then he's gone. Anyway, um, I think this movie – well, let's let's tell people how we rate movies here on Be Real. There is no ambiguity on Be Real. All movies can and will be classified by one of our four ratings. Good, good, bad, bad, good, bad, and bad, good. The first good or bad refers to sheer artistry. The second is pure entertainment. Good, good is easy to explain. It's a movie that engages your inner art critic and brings you some form of happiness. For both reasons, you want to watch that movie again. Think Shawshank Redemption or Jurassic Park. <laughs> or more recently, Get Out and Lady Bird. That we know of yet. Good, good movies make Noah hyperbolically say, That was the best movie I've ever seen. Bad, bad is easy too. Movies that bring you neither stimulation nor joy. Basically, you just spent two hours wishing you could watch something else. Think of any musician turned actor who gave it a go in a Nicholas Sparks adaptation. I'll pass. Or many Nicolas Cage movie where he plays a wizard or a warrior. You are going to be a force for good and a very important sorcerer. Bad, bad movies make chance say, I hate so much that you made me watch that. Now, good, bad movies. Those we recognize as worthwhile in a cinematic sense, but don't necessarily enjoy. Think Schindler's List, Requiem for a Dream, or awards bait that hinges on a historical figure delivering an impassioned speech. I have given you my soul. Leave me my name! These kinds of movies make Noah say, But it was so boring. And then I remind him that at least Leo finally got his Oscar for crawling through all that mud. Conversely, bad good movies feed your thoughtless inner child. They're anything from flawed but charming Nancy Myers outings. I'm miraculously done being in love with you! To late career missteps like Al Pacino and Danny Collins. Hey, baby, love, 
rather loud and silly, like Kurt Russell in Big Trouble in Little China or Stargate. It's all in the reflexes. Bad good movies make me want to watch Tombstone, especially when Noah says, But didn't the Mighty Ducks just give you that warm holiday feeling? Got all that? Now buckle up, because you're about to hear two friends who watch movies for very different reasons talk about their taste like it's God's own truth. I think Miracle is a pretty obvious good-bad. I think it's well-made. I, I don't, I mean, it has some flaws, but I think its flaws only make it unwatchable. It's, it's not a bad movie if you want to watch two hours and 15 minutes of a dramatized version of a historical event that in now in retrospect doesn't really seem that big of a deal. Right. Yeah. You see, you see in our other two movies today execute this same formula, either more nimbly or just more casually. And I think, I think the stakes are higher for the other two. This movie's stakes is like, Oh, America's going to be the best at something like, and they're going to work really hard. I mean, I know the ending to this movie going in, right? Cause it's a true story. And like, I think people sort of know every time Olympic hockey is on, they remind you that, right. Oh yeah. And so you he, know, all the times that America has won the, the gold, uh, the gold medal. Yeah. This movie's Achilles heel is that I think that again, Gavin O'Connor wants to tell you the process of a story you already know the ending of. And so he wants to make you feel the grit and the training that went into it. But like, 60 minutes of training is a lot for a movie. And so, yes, you made me feel it, but you also made me not enjoy myself. Also a good bad for me, I think. Sure. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, that's a pretty easy one. Uh, Let's move on to some movies that don't feel the need to include Carter's Crisis of Confidence speech twice. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Let's do Cool Runnings, which is currently on Netflix. It's the based on a true story of the Jamaican bobsled team. The first Jamaican bobsled team. The first Jamaican bobsled team at the 1988 Olympics in Calgary, Canada. Um, And And don't worry if you you love Calgary and the Calgary Olympics. uh, We're going to stay here for the next two movies, so don't you worry. Yeah, we'll be... We'll be staying at the uh, the relax in Calgary of the podcast universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this movie reunites us with our old friend John Turtletop. <laughs> if you need, like, this is what I'm saying. If you need a movie like Miracle Made, you get a director like John Turtletop. Yeah. Because he's just like your average. I don't think there is a more average director. Sure. He's pretty average. Like National Treasure, if, if that's your coup de gras, like that's not much of a. I mean, it's a great movie. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's like hardly like a cinematic masterpiece. So this movie is the most for kids of our three today. Like it's, I mean, it's also a Disney inspirational movie, but it includes like it includes some like gags and jokes and um, slapstick humor that is like very for children. Right, and it has John Candy in it. That's This is true, Uncle Buck himself. Um, um, so the movie opens with this Jamaican sprinter. Um, it's a real person, Doris Bannock. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Um, and he's trying to qualify for the Olympics as a sprinter, and in the qualifying run, he gets, like, fucked up by this other guy and, like, trips him, and he doesn't qualify. He doesn't go fast enough to you know, uh, make the time to go to the Olympics and, you know, through turns 
expected and unexpected, he puts together another group of people to go for gold. Quite quickly, yes. <laughs> yeah. And then it is the story of the first Jamaican bobsled team coached by John Candy, who's like a disgraced former bobsledder himself. Right. Uh, Irving Blitzer, great name. Um, that is a Irv Blitzer, yeah. Who's like living on the island, being like, you know. He's a, just like chilling. A drunk, like gambling addict Yoda, just living in Jamaica, right. waiting for Leon to show up. Or to read. And if you like this stereotype and the Calgary Olympics, don't worry. We'll come back in a few minutes. Um, so he's our first sort of drunken weirdo down and out coach. You sickin'? You sagging? Oh, cool. <laughs> Always remember, your bones will not break in a bobsled. <laughs> no, no. They shatter. So, who wants in? We're looking for a sponsor for the first Jamaican bobsled team. <laughs> Their dream was to compete in the Olympics. <laughs> but they chose a sport. <laughs> They knew nothing about. Great. Very good. In a climate they had never been. Cold weather endurance is vital to building a successful sled team. So this movie's ultimately like a buddy sort of hangout movie. And their thing that they're doing. Like, whereas you never really feel that close to the guys in Miracle. Right. Um, in this one, it's so about the characters and their like home lives and like the weird class struggle that exists in Jamaica and sort of the preconceived notions of these, of these people mm-hmm. and their families. And this, it sort of zooms out as the movie goes on. And this one, I feel like you actually care about the guys as opposed to just sort of watching these distant athletes perform. Yeah. I care a little bit more. I think it's mostly because of the, all four of the people, that's Leon, Dougie Doug, uh, Raldi Lewis, and Malik Yoba, all end up rendering pretty earnest performances. And there's only four of them, not 26 of them. <laughs> right. Um, and the movie does a good job in that sort of like very rote Disney way of like tagging them with stuff. Like, here's the bald angry one. And here's the rich one who's got to impress his dad. And here's the goof Rasta. Yeah, the Carlton. Yeah, exactly. It's unclear to me, too, like, what, why do they pick the people who aren't the driver of the bobsled? I mean, I'm not talking about in this movie particularly. I mean, in like, in bobsledding. Yeah. Like, what's the deciding factor of the guy, the three guys in the back? Who knows? They got the most torque. Yeah. <laughs> It goes because for most of, other than like the running at the beginning with the little handles, when the handles go down, they're just weight. Sure, yeah. It's descending in bravery, ascending in torque. I think is like your sitting order. That's <laughs> the, the, where those two lines meet. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, There's a sort of charming thing too, but can I just say, like politically speaking, this movie's just like a little too excited about like black people in the snow. Well, sure. You know, and just like they're like, I, we, I mean, I guess it's a children's movie and like, it's supposed to be, and they've never like seen snow before these Jamaican guys, but it just has like, 
Sure. But don't you think like the movie like kind of has like too much fun at their expense? Um, I don't know at their expense. I just think that the gags are so obvious. Like the build okay. up to them going outside in Calgary for the first time, you're just like, Yes, I get it. He's gonna it's it's well, actually uses the same gag twice, right? Which is the everybody's gathered around to be like, I'm gonna show you how bobsledding works and then John Candy shows right. him the you know, the film with all the horrible crashes and he turns on the light and they're all gone. He just does the same thing with the snow where they don't follow him outside. It's not a very imaginative movie. Yeah. Do all of these movies have like the establishing shot like of the course or whatever or the rink where there's just like boom, 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 and no it like pulls doubt. out? This, this one I thought had a pretty like good like 90s sort of like chi- like like sort of a off key chimes or something like as it like sort of fades into focus this like sure. course <laughs> and that there's all like the really professional looking guys like it's like when they're yeah. sending off the first plane at the opening shot of Top Gun or something. Right. <laughs> I think Eddie the Eagle does it better, which I think Eddie the Eagle does a lot of things from this oh, movie yeah. slightly better. But, um, you know, Turtle Top went, seems like he went exploring Calgary a little bit. There's like the shots of like jogging by the river and on that rickety bridge. And there's that, there's that great turnaround shot where they're practicing at night and they all flip around and like look at the billboard up in the pine trees. They, he takes right. advantage of like what's there setting wise. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you... Uh, a question I prepared. Yeah, sure. Who is your favorite uh, prototypical Euro Snow King <laughs> in these three movies, where the underdog like runs up against them and they're like, "You don't stand a chance" or something like that? I thought my favorite's got to be the guy from Eddie the Eagle. Oh, okay, well, mine on too. The Let's talk about him later. The flying fin. The flying fin, because like that, it's such like a movie trope. You're right. Like he sort of ignores him at the beginning and then like part of what's fueling him is proving this guy wrong. But he turns out to just be such a delightful weirdo at the end. Sure. The the, the German guy in this one is just comical. See you in four years, Jamaica. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. Oh, man. Um, I love your impressions. I could do a pretty. I love your different. You could do a pretty good stereotypical German Olympian. Well, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, okay, I don't think Candy is good enough in this movie. Candy's kind of phoning it in. Candy can do better. Candy can do better. He's kind of doing the dad from Saves the Last Dance. Ah, yes. Like, he's not really... I don't know. He needs the payday or something. He's a little bit too much of an Irv Blitzer himself these days. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is... Because he's, I, like, remarkably large in this film. Yeah, it's it's a little sad. I think we're only, like, eight months out from his passing here with this movie. Sure. Or the release, anyway. Um, well, because... Have you ever seen JFK? Yes. Not in a while, though. John Candy's three minutes in JFK are, like, mm-hmm. incredible. He is a a live wire he can really act um yes and i think that even in the ridiculous scene where he goes into the uh boardroom where all the people led by the uh the wrong kid died dad from walk hard (laughs) (laughs) being like we're banning your boys from the olympics and john candy's like punish me not them you can kind of see there that like with the hokiest lines imaginable, he's still doing okay. I think this movie could ask more of everyone involved. Right. That's the thing. Like, I think this movie could have been 
better had it not been a Disney movie. I mean, I think all of these movies, I think the best one of them isn't a Disney movie. Yeah. Um, But I think because they have to be like PG. Right. It just doesn't let the actors. I mean, not that they're going to do anything like bizarre, but it's just like, there's something about every performance in all of these movies that feels very like, you know, as Kurt Russell, like calls back to the goalie guys, like I want to see the guy who wouldn't fill out the test. Right. Ah, that's, that's like, (laughs) that's like me watching these two movies. That's so smart. Is like where this is supposed to be like a courageous story of heroes. Like where are the heroes? Yeah. I mean, these movies are the ultimate formula. So you're really looking for anyone who will go against the grain of the formula. And I think that, you know, the Leon performance, he's so kind of sprightly um, in the vein of Eddie the Eagle also. I think the movie could Mm -hmm. have had much more fun with his relentless positivity. Malik Yoba has that hilarious turn on Arrested Development as Ice the Bounty Hunter. Like, that guy's got some actual comedy chops. I just don't think the movie asks anything of this cast. So I don't really know how talented they are. Right. But then it's also like... I don't know. It's just like a little bit, these stories, just because they're based on true stories. And you know how I feel about things based on true stories. How's that? Refresh me. I just feel a little icky about some of them because like now knowing that the Irv Blitzer cheating thing's not real, it's because like people have seen cool runnings, but they've never really like taken the time to read an article about the first Jamaican bobsled team. Right. Yeah. And like this movie that this is the representation we are getting of history. Like I find a little bit troubling. Sure. Understandable. But I don't think it's it's a pretty, like, watchable, you know, sports camp kind of rainy day movie. It's, yeah, it's fine. Can we rate it? You go first. I think that, uh, I'm going to give it a soft, bad, bad. I think that, I was thinking about this one in terms of our, like, rewatch rating. Like, with all three of these movies, I had this moment of, like, why am I watching these? Oh, right. Winter Olympics. But like, right. would I ever watch any of these very hokey, drippingly sentimental movies again? And I think I don't need to revisit. I This was my revisit to Cool Runnings. And I don't think I need to revisit again for the rest of my life, honestly. So soft, bad, bad. Yeah. I mean, I've seen Cool Runnings numerous times. Yeah. Um, and this one like may have been the last Right, exactly. Which I... Because, like, I just have no use for it anymore Yeah. as a movie. So, yeah, I'm going to have to maybe give it a soft bad bad, too. I th- That's funny, because I think that, like, a lot of people our age, you know, who are kids... Think this movie's great. Yeah, or just like, oh, it's time for me to finally rewatch that. But, like, when you finally do, that'll be it, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want to, like, say goodbye to... Uh, cool running so you can just watch it again <laughs> exactly. it's on netflix exactly have you caught any bobsledding at the in these olympics it's not really on i don't think it's started yet oh it hasn't started yet okay i think it's on at the same time as the hockey like towards the end of towards the end of the olympics ah, makes sense makes sense you ready to talk eddie the eagle uh, am i ever so eddie the eagle came out what not but like two years ago right it's pretty new yeah i remember seeing like trailers and stuff for it and marketing for it in recent history yeah seeing hugh jackman's haircut and being like huh (laughs) what is this a musical (laughs) the greatest snowman um oh that was bad sorry i'm so sorry is that written down in your notes no okay come on at least give me the 
Because if you'd been sitting on the greatest snowman, <laughs> I was going to have to really reevaluate this <laughs> podcast. Um, okay, so this is also based on a true life story that, uh, as you mentioned, culminates at the 1988 Winter Games in Calgary. Their most famous games. Um, I don't think that's true. Yeah, Calgary was a good one, though. Lots of uh, movie-worthy stories. Apparently. Um, so, yeah, Eddie Edwards is the... Well, he's the first British ski jumper in, like, 50 years. Because just they haven't fielded a team or anyone. Um, but it starts out where you see in montage him as a little kid. And he's sort of like an interesting little fellow. Kind of like a British lip sort of... <laughs> what you don't buy that that's funny okay no that's fine but he's just like running around and he's just like i want to win a gold medal mom and she's just like then get out the house and do it or something and, and then he like waits at the bus station for the bus to Rome because that's where the olympics are until his dad picks him up right but he doesn't he's such a funny character and i wonder how true to life this is because like he doesn't have a plan or even a sport he just no. Wants he just to wants win. to be an Olympic athlete. Oh yeah, he doesn't want to win a medal. Pardon me. That's a key to this one. He just yeah, wants yeah. To be he doesn't there. want to win a medal. He just wants to be an Olympian. Um. So like yeah, then you know then he grows up uh, and starts throwing javelins and skiing around and still he wants to do this. Um, and then you get the picture that he is close to qualifying for the Britain's actual larger ski team. And then in a very hokey thing, he like knocks them all over when they're coming down the hill to present themselves to the Olympic committee. And then right. a very kind of dour man, sort of Alan Rickman light is like, I'm afraid you're not Olympic material, son. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he, uh, you haven't seen the last of him. No, <laughs> he's going to say a lot more shit exactly like that. Um, right. So then Eddie, the Eagle's like, what? I still want to be Olympian. What's the one there's a lot of him like just seeing a thing and then doing it and that's what happens with ski jumping right it's like on television and then he's like okay i'll do that i was in the hospital for a year when i was a kid all the doctors said i should give up sports where do you think you're going young man the olympics you better take this put your medals in thanks mum. for as long as i can remember it has been my ambition to become an olympian you are not an athlete! I just needed to find the right sport. Britain hasn't had a ski jumper since 1929. I'm gonna be a ski jumper. He's gonna break his neck. I'm gonna break his neck. I so I've never come in contact with this story Me neither. um before this movie. What is like what are we supposed to like infer about? Eddie like he's he's special well he's not quite there's something I mean there's something off about like the way he treats the world right but it's also like sort of this endearing childlike quality that endears you to him right it's sort of a like uh Forrest Gump kind of affect because the movie infers so much and it doesn't necessarily like make it a movie about struggling with autism or succeeding despite or parenthetically like due to autism, there is that question I feel like that's there, right? Because right. you get two approaches to dealing with it 
in his parents. Yeah. The mother who just says like, do what you want to do that makes you happy and we'll support you because we're your parents. And if we can afford it, we'll let you do that. And oftentimes they can't. And the dad's like, what are you talking about? Like he (laughs) needs to learn like at least a simple trade in order to support himself. Like when we're gone and you know, her response is like, well, we're not gone yet. And he's still like, he's still a child chasing that dream. and we can give him, yeah, we can still let him chase his dreams. Yeah. And there's something like both kind of simple, but I think also nice about that. I would agree. Um, simple and nice describes this movie in a lot of different ways. Um, but also it's like going for this movie, I think has the most awareness around the fact that this story is like self-evident in the way that will it will unfold and that the people should have fun along the way with maybe even a hint of like noticeably overdoing it and knowing how fun that is on the way. Sure. Like when I think, I about, think that's true when I think about, so Hugh, we should, should we finish an upsizing real quick? So basically he just goes to this like German ski village. Yeah. So when he's 22, so the movie jumps like until he's older, right. 22 now played not by a child actor, but by Taron Edgerton and guy from Kingsman. Right. Do we know other the guy from Kingsman? From I don't have any off the top of my head. Um, um, and he's now, you know, a young man and the, the dad wants him to learn a trade plastering and the mom like is kind of still encouraging him to like live his dream. Right. And, you know, he's about to qualify for the team you talked about. And then he's suddenly not on the team for whatever reason. And then he decides, well, ski jumping is the thing. And he meets. Um, so he goes to this like highly touted training facility mm-hmm in Germany in this like weird little ski town. Yeah. And there he encounters both his competition and his new coach. Who's currently like the groundskeeper, the Hagrid, if you will, (laughs) of Uh, this, uh, the ski resort and training facility, handsome Hagrid, but not that Hagrid Hagrid. Yeah. Uh, Like he's got the fresh off a Wolverine kind of physique still. Oh yeah. Uh, and it's Hugh Jackman playing Bronson Peary, who's a real life, uh, a real life ski jumper from back in the sixties. Did he also, is it true? Is it true that he fizzled out because of alcohol and broads that I do not know? (laughs) I believe dames is the preferred term. Oh, sorry. Um, and yeah, all these eighties movies call back to like people who screwed up in the sixties with their (laughs) Olympic, uh, with their Olympic. The sixties were a wild time for the, uh, the Olympics. Absolutely. It was him and Irv Blitzer just like, taking sake bombs and yeah, like whatever weighing down sleds allegedly <laughs> right and Ker- and her brooks at home <laughs> right being sent home so he couldn't compete um so anyway d- circling back around to the point i was trying to make now that we're kind of where we need to be with the synopsis um once hugh jackman enters this movie like I think all bets are off as far as Oh, certainly. Because it's such an obvious miscast that's having so much fun with itself. <laughs> the right. the scene where I lost it and I knew I was kind of like in hook line and sinker on this goofy ass movie is when blackout drunk Hugh Jackman <laughs> goes to the top of the 70 meter jump which we've established can kill you if you don't do it right. No, it was the 90 meter, wasn't it? It was always oh, the 90, Jesus. And Without he, any padding or any equipment on, just two pairs, just one pair of skis. 
In his jean jacket, smoking a cigarette. He lights a cigarette, too. He, like, takes this... He takes a huff as he descends, and then tosses it. In slow motion. And it's just the... It's the worst CGI. It's horrible. As he, like, looks, as he looks into camera and tosses the lit cigarette, like cinder, like floating through the uh, digital air. Yeah, it's like bad British CGI. It perfectly fucking lands it. It's so great. Right. I love all the bad CGI like crashes. Oh, yeah. Like when people come down the mountain and like land like awkwardly and you can tell like the actual person probably broke a bone. It's like... It's like bad CGI and it's kind of funny. I think that they, you're right, but I think they get away with a lot of the CGI in this movie because of the very sort of like striking, colorful, unreal lines of actually like the branding and the suits and the slopes. So like when they do digital stuff, it kind of like fits into this place that already doesn't seem real. Right. Well, I think think they get away with it because the movie sort of, you're following Eddie Edwards most of the time. So you're sort of in this childlike, wonderful space. And his training is much like watching like a Mighty Ducks movie of him, like being a child training for this thing with his man body, which is going a hundred miles an hour down a hill and then jumping into the air and then like landing on a hill and not dying. Right. Um, So, Ski jumping is also really interesting, and it could be interesting to compare it to the way that Cool Runnings uh, explains bobsledding. Two completely esoteric things that the average person has no idea how it works, much less how you would teach it. Um, So these movies are charged with teaching us about these things in a way that is like digestible. They both, they come up with interesting shorthands. What did you think about the kind of build up to the 90 meter jump? I mean, I don't know if that's true, um, but if it is true, that that's like totally insane that he like did a 90, not to spoil it, but he like does a 90 meter jump like competitively without having done it in any sort of practice. I have to assume that part's real. I think it is. I was wikiing while we were watching it. And of course, Hugh Jackman's like, well, you're not, you don't know anything and you're not going to know how to land while you're up there, but like, just do it up, baby. (laughs) It's just going to, yeah, it's going to be longer and faster and harder than you've ever experienced. But like, (laughs) it's just a jump. Oh my Lord. Um, Yeah. I really like how they, I mean, the movie has the benefit of this thing that like the average person has no idea how it works. And so it can get away with CGI and stunts and like has the good sense to really bring people's faces at you very fast, which cool runnings doesn't quite pull that off. Like it's doesn't matter who's sitting in that sled. Um, Right. But I love the way that the, like, like a child's play toy, it's just like 15 to 30 to 17 to 90. And even in like the big, like pseudo climactic moments on the 70 jump, you always know that that 90 is just looming there. And it's so big. Yeah. The movie does a good job of like keeping it simple and just like, he's going to get on a very big hill It's a movie about a guy going up a hill. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it's like very sort of... You should never think you're bigger than the hill. That's the first rule. That that is the that was a nice sort of Scandinavian accent. Oh, nah, that was supposed to be walking. Sorry. <laughs> oh. Um. Do you want to talk about Christopher why is Walken? Christopher? Yeah, why is Christopher walking in this movie? Well, he, like, there are more he? photos of him than like him. Is he like not doing well? Uh, 
I mean, I assume they paid him like a couple hundred thousand dollars to be in this movie to be for there two for seconds. One so shot? he's got to yeah. be doing fine. That's funny. But yeah, he's like the coach that doesn't get along with... Well, Hugh Jackman's character is just like a total train wreck. And right. like maybe the worst coach of all three. Right. Maybe. Like Irv might have gotten a bad rap, but like Hugh Jackman just like drank his ass out of the Olympics and then like never looked back. <laughs> right. And has been, you know, clearing snow at this uh, town made out of snow ever since. Get off my hill. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, the movie's kind of weirdly... He drinks for a long time in this movie before the movie suggests that he should stop. <laughs> uh, he calls it his coat. Right. Where's my jacket? Or his jacket. And then You're also, right. where's my breakfast? <laughs> right. It's whiskey. Right. In, a, in an American flag. But don't you think, I mean, you made a good point that it's totally miscast. I mean, you need like a Harrison Ford circa like six days, seven nights here, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Like a hardened sort of like working class, like working on his snow machine, whatever. And then don't get like, you know, an action the boy figure. from Oz here. Yeah. To... But but Jackman, I texted you. He out candies candy. He is He's so a pretty good. The scene where he busts in drunk on the Norwegian like state of the art training facility and they're like, look at all these Ivan Dragos. They're just making robots. They don't know anything about pulling a rickshaw up a mountain. Um, <laughs> and he like he's, That's approximately the monologue. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, I'm adding some stuff. And he's falling like face down on that like rubber balance ball and he's just like, the paradox of jumping is up, down, forward, and back. And Taron Edgerton's like, doesn't know what's going on in the scene. Or in the script. Um, Jackman's all in on this thing he shouldn't be cast to do. What, yeah. what about when he's he, talking about making love to the jump? Oh, yeah. That whole, that weird, like, sort of uh, Meg Ryan from when Harry met Sally of his, like, sexual climax <laughs> while he's, like, going down the hill was, like, a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's embarrassing, but... It's embarrassing to watch. It's like a movie I'm glad I didn't watch with my mother. This is, like, the Hugh Jackman... This is not prestige, Hugh Jackman. This is like the Hugh Jackman who willfully peed himself on stage while singing. Yeah. I mean, there's some like great Danton about this performance. Like, don't get me wrong. I like a man who, who's so Australian, he's barely concealing his accent, saying to a British actor, you crazy Brit. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah. But can we can we pivot to the idea, though, that like... This movie, despite its being silly, is like a lot of fun. It's very fun. It's like a very watchable. It's you know what it felt like to me. It was like a more. It was like Jonathan Turtletop's take on a Danny Boyle movie. Because <laughs> it's got like those like face up shots of Taron yeah. Edgerton as he's going down, and like that crazy bad like special effects. You know, and the equivalent of, like, going into the jar of urine with James Franco or whatever. A style of hill-jumping cinematography. Yeah. Well, these movies are all so similar, as we've established. But the approach, really, like, earnestness and fun. These are the differences in approach. And I feel like this one lands quite nicely between Miracle and Cool Runnings. Yeah. Um, It's interesting, too, like, the... 
where this movie goes because like the other guys are trying to be competitive, I would imagine both in miracle and cool runnings. Right. But because as we said earlier, because he only wants to just compete, like it was never, he was never going to win a medal. That's true. So it's really just the fact that it's sort of analyzing. I mean, that's like the point of the Olympics is not whether you win or lose. It's if that you competed, Sure. you know, you know, much like the somewhat similar saying of the, Nebraska Huskers. It's more of a Rudy. It's like nobody. Oh yeah. Everybody falls in love with this guy because he has no. Nobody puts Eddie in the corner. He has. He has no chance. But like he doesn't care. He's just happy to be there. The movie is proving sort of the morality of being able to have a chance. Sure. Oh yeah. The idea of competition and competing. It's like of course, ninety nine out of a hundred times, like this guy's not gonna win. Mm-hmm. 999 out of a thousand times he's not gonna do anything here no. competitively but he has the right to compete yeah and that is sort of the what is on trial it's him his need to compete against a society that tells him he's not allowed to sure and that's such a i mean a david versus goliath story is always fun yeah totally i mean and, and let us make no mistake like this movie is corny as hell and heavy handed and ridiculous. I mean, from the, from Taron Edgerton, like leaving a coffee stain in the shape of the Olympic rings on the table as a kid to like Hugh Jackman, you know, showing, not telling he's a drunk by yelling like, yeah, let's party after he does the (laughs) jump. He does the jump um, to like, you know, music cues like hollow notes as you make my dreams come true. This is not a cool movie, but Eddie the Eagle wasn't a cool guy. So let's rate it. Oh, yeah. Um, I think this is a good good. Ooh. I think it probably is, too. Again, I just okay. ad- I just admire the, uh, the approach. Like, yeah, the dismount is ridiculous, but, like, if you're going to make a movie like this, make it. And know you're making it. Don't try to have any illusions about what you're doing. And Eddie the Eagle doesn't. Yeah. I like how they make him grow a mustache halfway through the movie and like fundamentally change the way he looks. Oh, we got to talk about flying fin before we leave. I like that mustache too. The flying fin is the best character. I think in all three of these movies, because you think (laughs) the flying fin is like this dickhead, like, you know, Sean white of, uh, the ski jumping. Well, you like, think just he's a going product of win. like an Eastern Block machine. Kind well, of that thing. too. Even though Finland is not I don't the Eastern Block, but yeah, I didn't think about him that way. I just thought of him sort of like a cool Scandinavian, like you know, has a very minimally designed house okay. at home kind of <laughs> sure. thing. Maybe he's read and, a Joe Nesbo book or two. Oh, he loves the he loves the snowman. Yeah, but when snowman. you actually make contact with him out of his like ex, like sort of guarded exterior. It turns out that he's like sort of maybe the inspiration for the French guy from Ocean's 12. <laughs> sure, the Vincent Castle character. Yeah, the Vincent Castle character who just like just is living his life like because he has to. Right. This is the way it must be lived. Was- we compete because we must. And if we don't do our best, it will kill us inside. Yeah, there's this hilarious scene at the end where Taron Edgerton is like, in a very tiny glass elevator, but somehow doesn't know the flying fin is next to him or the camera pretends he doesn't and it pans over. And here's a, I'm a guy who's jumping nearly twice as far as Eddie the Eagle 
like 118 meters like forward or something like that and he's just like you and i we do this because we have to like we would die otherwise and when you're up there you it's like the only time you you're you're yourself it's a great little like out of nowhere speech and it's also kind of funny too because you realize that Eddie's not really doing it for that reason. Well, that's what makes it so funny is that, like, the Flying Finns see something in him that Eddie himself has not thought about. Right. Yeah. But that's the cool thing, too, is, like, the Finn has nothing but respect for Eddie the Eagle because he believes that something in his soul cries out to him to, like, jump off snow hills. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But what really, he's just inspired by the fact that people told him he couldn't do it. And that right. maybe just made him curious to see if he could. Because that's the reason he wants to go to the Olympics. And, uh, you know, Hugh Jackman's like, let's wait four years and actually be competitive. Yeah. And he's like, what do you what do you mean? Like, I can go to the Olympics now. Like, his only goal is to get to the Olympics. Why would he cut out the going to the Olympics part of it? There is, yes. There, that's like it lines up well with this idea, and maybe you've had it watching the the twenty eighteen games. It's like when you get to sports that are this specific and bizarre, and like the language and physics and strategy of them applies to no other sports. Like nothing that would have been at the Greek games of two thousand years ago. Sure, um, you're like, what is it with these people? How did you decide that the thing you wanted to do is jump one way, try to land? And that would be your thing. That you would just fly. How did you decide to do that? Right. And, like, nobody can name any, like, ski jumpers. Like, they're not doing it for the money. Right. They're just doing it, I guess, because they have to. Yeah. Let's get out of here. You've got some Winter Olympics to watch tonight. I might go yeah, watch there's that. Yeah, there's more on every night. Well, sometimes I wonder, like, what are going to be the... What's the cool runnings of this Olympics? Right. We got to find that. I feel like you have to watch like CNBC at like four in the morning to find that out. Oh, sure. Tariko needs to tell us. He's telling me all kinds of other stories about like this remote part of the island where like 70 year old women dive for crabs and then cook them and no men are allowed. Why won't he tell me what the new cool runnings is? Right. Maybe it's that. It could be. (laughs) Yes, that could be an event. Set against the majestic 2018 Pyeongchang Olympics. It is the story of four 70-year-old women diving for crabs. <laughs> it's called Crab Diver. Yeah, perfect. Bring it on. Uh, all played by Emma Stone. Uh, next, uh, next on Be Real, three movies about the Olympics, but the Olympics are only in the background. Right. <laughs> Munich, Crab Divers, and... Uh... <laughs> And I, I can't come up with another one. Um, let's wrap this up, buddy. Uh, this is a fun category. Thanks for suggesting it and squeezing it in. Thanks for, yeah, being amenable to such an idea. Of course. Uh, and thank you, listener, as always, for hanging out with us. Find more episodes on episodes on berealpodcast.com. Twitter, Facebook, you can send us an email. Uh, subscribe and rate the show. That's always the most helpful thing you can do. Um, and we appreciate your... Uh, not patronage, but ears, as always. Great podcast chants uh, are born from great opportunity. 